chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading from the NIV version. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. Uh, I just want to let you know I'm going to be reading from a special Bible this morning. This was my dad's Bible. And my dad has been gone. It'll be 15 years coming up in April. So it's, uh, and once I read these verses, you're going to kind of understand what, what sentimental value it has. So, but these are great words. God's true word. Now we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that which is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we, are, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Thank you, Tim. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, what a privilege to spend this time worshiping you and singing these songs that offer you that worship and that remind us of what a good and faithful and loving God you are. Many of us remembering how you've changed our lives through Jesus and what he did for us at Calvary and in his resurrection. Father, we look forward to celebrating those wonderful truths in a couple of weeks. But, Father, they're true right now, and I pray that uh, as we look at your scriptures, you would speak to us. I pray that we as Christians would be encouraged by these words of Paul. I pray that we would be challenged by them. And Father, I pray for those here who don't know you, who don't have the hope that we're going to be talking about. Father, may your spirit, in his loving and powerful way, speak to their hearts this morning. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, have your Bibles open to that passage that Tim read for us, 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 5. Has anyone here ever been to Now Then, Minnesota? All right. All right. Good. I passed through, never stopped, but I saw the sign. And you see the sign there on your study sheet. Uh, now then, Minnesota is in Anoka County. It's near St. Francis. Uh, population, 4,443. <clears throat> You're probably wondering, how did it get that name, Now Then? Well, I'm going to tell you. I found out. 
Here's the story. In 1851, a man named James Hare, H-A-R-E, moved from New York to Anoka County in Minnesota. He purchased 360 acres of farmland. In the next 25 years, he sold portions of that land to many different people, and eventually a community was formed. In 1878, those people decided that they should have a post office. But in order to have a post office, they needed a name for their community. And the postmaster general had to choose that name. They couldn't choose it themselves. And so the people of the community began to write in to the postmaster general their suggestions for naming their community. James Hare sent his list with his suggestions. And as he always did with other letters that he wrote, he signed off with, now then, James Hare. The postmaster general, when he read Hare's letter, thought the sign-off was one of the suggestions for naming the community, and he chose that one. And so it is now called, Now Then, Minnesota. There's a connection between Now Then, Minnesota and the passage we're going to look at this morning. That was just read to you. I believe that we as Christians, those of us who have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, are actually now-then people. In fact, on my name tag, it not only says Pastor Marlin, it says a now-then person. Probably you didn't notice it when you read my tag. Um, I think that what Paul is saying in this first part of 2 Corinthians 5 is that we as Christians are now-then people. For us, there is a now For us, there is also a then. Last week, Lawrence presented to us in the last verses of chapter 4 some contrasts. If you recall, there's the contrast between outward and inward. Temporary light troubles and eternal glory. the temporary and the eternal, the seen and the unseen. And I want to suggest to you that it seems like as the Apostle Paul moves on now from that, he chooses to give us one specific example of that kind of contrast. And it has to do with the body. And he talks about what he calls an earthly tent, which is the physical body. And then he talks about the eternal house, which we find out is the new body that the people of God look forward to. And so he contrasts that earthly tent with the eternal house. Our present body and the new body that we will one day have. 
I don't think it was a surprise to the Corinthians that Paul chose the word tent. Because, as you recall, in our first study of 2 Corinthians, we found out that in Acts 18, there's the record of Paul being in Corinth and ministering for a year and a half. And while he was there, what did he do on the side? He was a tent maker. He worked with tents. So I would guess that when the Corinthians have this read to them, and he chooses to use the word tent to refer to the physical body, they weren't surprised he used that word. Now, some people like to go all the way back to the Old Testament and say, well, he used the word tent because of the tabernacle and, and all that stuff. But I might remind you, he's writing to Corinthians, mainly Gentiles, who don't care about the Old Testament. But they remember Paul was a tent maker when he was with them. And so I think that is why he chose that word. In verse 1, he says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And so right away he talks about the earthly tent and he talks about the eternal house. So let's just talk about those two items. You have the earthly tent. It's the physical body. We all have the earthly tent. We all live in a physical body. The earthly tent is visible. I can see you. You can see me in these bodies. The earthly tent is visible. It is temporary. Paul says it will be destroyed. And really the word means broken down, taken down, like you would take down a tent. That's just the fact. Someday... You and I will die. And this body will be taken down. The tent will be taken down. The earthly tent is created by God. Now, Paul doesn't say that here, but we know it is. We just have to go to Psalm 139. We find out that in the womb, God fashioned, wove, knitted, our bodies. So this earthly tent that we live in was created by God. For we as Christians, we find that this earthly tent belongs to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In fact, we might as well go there. It's just the book before this. 1 Corinthians 6, right at the end of that chapter, starting verse 19, Paul says, Do you not know that your body, that's the earthly tent, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Our earthly tent as Christians belongs to God. This body belongs to God. Not only that, 
But our earthly tent as Christians is the dwelling place of God's spirit. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. As you look up here, you're looking at a temple. And I'm looking at a lot of temples. Because when you know Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in you, and that makes you a temple, his dwelling place in this earthly tent. Also, we're told there that with this body, this earthly tent, we are to honor God, the one who owns this body, the one who paid for it, the one who created it, the one whose spirit lives in it. We are to honor God with this earthly tent. And so I'll add one more thing about the earthly tent. It is not evil. It's not evil. In Paul's day, there were the Gnostics, and one of their beliefs was that all matter is evil. And the physical body is matter, right? And they believed that the body was evil. And that spirit is good. Matter is always evil, including the body. Spirit is always good. And they taught that those two did not impact each other. They separated the body and the spirit. So the body could do anything it wants. It's evil anyway. But it won't affect the spirit. The spirit will always be good. And so they made that separation. I don't believe this earthly tent is evil. Now, it was corrupted by sin. It dies because of sin. It doesn't make it evil. It um, has all kinds of problems because of that corruption. Pain, sickness, wrinkles. I mean, go right down the list. But it's not evil. It was corrupted by sin. And so we as Christians are living right now, that's the now, in this earthly tent, this earthly body. But he goes on there in verse 1 to say that someday we will have an eternal house. He changes the word, an eternal house. And that is a new body that one day we will have. That is the then. So, let's describe that eternal house, that new body that followers of Christ will one day have. It's eternal. That's what he says. It's an eternal house. It's not temporary, like the earthly tent. It's unable to be destroyed and broken down like the earthly tent. It's eternal. It's in heaven. You notice he says that? We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. It's in heaven, that new body, that eternal house that we will live in. It's in heaven. He says it's prepared by God. It's from God. No human being has built that house, that body. It's created by God, built by him, from him. It's unseen. Now, we 
We can't see this new body. It's, it's something that we'll experience and see in the future, but not now. It's unseen now. It's like Christ's glorious body. Now, that's not in 2 Corinthians, but if you go over to Philippians 3, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, <clears throat> the last couple verses, and young people, listen up to this. We're going to discuss this on Wednesday. Philippians 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We don't know all the details about that new body, that eternal house that we will live in for eternity, but we do know it will be like the glorious body of Jesus. That's pretty cool. That's all I need to know about it. And it's our hope. It's our hope. That is what we look forward to. This eternal house, this new body that will never break down, will never die. It will be reality for us someday. It's being prepared in heaven for God's people. So that's how Paul starts. He, he contrasts. Remember, we saw those contrasts at the end of chapter 4. So he goes right into contrasting two specific items. This physical body that we live in now, this earthly tent, and then the eternal house, the new body that we will one day have. And he gives us the contrast between them. For the rest of the passage, the Apostle Paul talks about living in the now as we look forward to the then. He talks about living in this eternal, this uh, earthly body while we look forward to this eternal body that we will one day have. So let's see how he... He presents that. First of all, verse 5. 5.5. Five. He says, Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Paul talks about that in Ephesians 1 as well. He says, When you were saved, you received a seal. You received the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee that you will receive the inheritance that's promised to you. And Paul is saying the same thing. He's saying God has given you the Holy Spirit as a follower of Christ. And the Holy Spirit's presence in your life is a guarantee that one day you will live in that eternal house, that new body. It's guaranteed by the Spirit's presence. Verses 2 through four. Meanwhile, it's guaranteed. We're looking forward to it. But he says, meanwhile, we groan. You do any groaning in your earthly tent this week? 
He says, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, that new body. Because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. While we are in this tent, in this body, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We long for that, so that what is mortal, this body, may be swallowed up by life. And so we have a guarantee, because of the Spirit's presence in our life, that we will have that new body someday. But meanwhile, in this body, now we groan. And we're burdened. By the corruption of this body, what sin has done to this body. And we long for that new body. We long when this one is taken down and we receive that new body. And uh, generally, as we Christians get older, the longing is greater and the groaning is more frequent. Generally, there are young people, there are young adults who are followers of Christ who already groan and long for that new body. That's the now. That's the now. Verse 7. Because of the groaning and the longing and the burden that this earthly tent this body can present. Verse 7 is so important. Paul says, we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. Now, as Christians, we do that generally. We live by faith. But in the context of this passage, he's talking about the now groaning, longing, being burdened as we live in this earthly tent, but looking forward to a guarantee, a promise that we will one day have a new body. And in that context, we live by faith, not by sight. That new body is unseen. The only body we can see right now is this one. And so we live by faith. We believe when God says there's a body waiting for you, that there is. We live by faith that even though we can't see it, it will be a reality for us. We live by faith that the Spirit of God in us is a guarantee of that promise. We live by faith, not by sight. Verse 6 and 8. He says, and as we live by faith, we have confidence. Verse 6, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, the now, we're away from the Lord. Verse 8, we're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So what's he saying? When we're living here in the now, in this earthly body, We're not with the Lord in the new body. But we're confident that the time will come when we leave this body, we will be present with the Lord. 
and will receive that new body for eternity. We're confident because we believe what God has said and what he has promised. And then verse 9, he says, with all of this, we have a goal. We have a goal. In verse 9, he says, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. He says, in all of this that I'm telling you, we make it as our goal to please God. Whether we're here in the now, living in this body, groaning, longing, burdened, waiting for and looking forward to that new body. He says, our goal is to please God, to please him. Yesterday at men's breakfast, Alan shared his testimony. And uh, something he said got my attention. And Alan, that's why I asked you the question. So this is the backstory. Uh, he made a comment uh, about how his love for the Word of God has developed over the years. And uh, he, he brought up this idea of praying over the Word of God and found out what he meant by that, if I understood him right, is that when he's reading the Word of God, when he's spending time in it, he will stop and reflect on what he's read, and he'll pray over it. That's part of his response to what the Word says. And that got my attention because about an hour and a half before that, I was reading this passage. And when I came to Paul saying that it is our goal to please the Lord, even here in this body that groans, and is burdensome, I remember stopping and praying over that statement. And I remember saying to the Lord, that's what I want, God. No matter what goes on, no matter what happens, I want to please you. That is my goal. And I renewed my commitment that, you know, today, Saturday, um, Lord, I want to please you no matter what happens today. No matter what comes up, I want to please you. It's my goal. And so that's why I got my attention, Alan, because I had just experienced what you were describing. Um, praying over the Word of God. Responding to it. And I ask you, is pleasing the Lord your goal? I mean, we talk about goals all the time. You know, and we write them on marker boards and we put them on a piece of paper and we're goal happy. But how many of us really could say, my goal is to please the Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on. My goal is to please the Lord. Not one of your goals. Is it your goal? To please the Lord. Paul says in this whole area of the earthly tent, the, the body we live in now, and the groaning and the, 
the longing for the new body and, and the, the burden that it can be. And just living by faith that one day God will have that new body for me when I leave this one. And he says, in the context of all that, my goal is to please the Lord. It's not very complicated. Not easy, but not very complicated. To please the Lord. In this body, he says. See that? My goal is to please the Lord now in this body. Because, verse 10, in this body, in the now, we are accountable for how we live. Because it's easy for Christians to look at a passage like this and a truth like this and think so much about the the body that's to come, this new body that we're looking forward to, that we forget that it still matters how you live in this body now. It matters. And we are accountable. Look look what he says. He says, uh, you know, he's just said, we make it our goal to please him whether at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done, notice what he says, while in this body. Paul says there's coming a time where there's not only a new body and the wonder of that, But we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there will be an accounting and a giving of reward. And it will be based upon how we lived in this body. You see, it matters. The judgment seat of Christ, judgment seat is bima. Um, it's, It's a word for... The judges stand at the Olympics. The Greeks had their Olympics. They had their uh, games in Corinth, Athens. And uh, after the games, there was this judge judgment seat. It was the stand where the judges were. And when the athletic events were over, the athletes would walk past this judges stand. And they would receive the rewards. The awards, kind of like the podium uh, where the medals are given out in the Olympics. And Paul says, one day, I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. Not to determine whether I get into heaven or not. That's a different issue. But this, he says, is for how I lived in this body. For how I lived my life in this body. It matters. And so he said, it's my goal to please the Lord as I live in the now, in this body. And I look forward to the then. Now then, 
You catch that? Let's summarize. As followers of Christ, we now live in this earthly tent, this body. It's a physical body. It's visible. It's temporary. It was created by God. In fact, as believers, it belongs to God. This body is the home of the Holy Spirit. He lives there, and it is to be used to honor him, this body, to be used to honor him. It's not evil. Corrupted by sin, but not evil. It's God's creation. His spirit lives there. The then is the promise we have of a new body that is eternal, not temporary. It's in heaven. It's prepared by God. It's unseen now. That's why we have to live by faith. It's going to be like Christ's glorious body, and it's our hope. It's our hope. We look forward to it. We're confident that it's going to happen. We may groan now. We may be burdened at times by this body we live in. But that causes us to long for that new body even more. But don't let that longing keep you from honoring God with that body. Because in the now, it matters how we live in this body. As long as we're in this body, our goal must be to please the one who gave it to us, the one who lives in this body, to please him. Now then, You might be here and you don't have the hope of the eternal house. You live in the earthly tent. We all do. But you don't have this hope that the followers of Christ have. That one day when you leave this body, you will be with Jesus and receive a new body that's eternal. That's like the body of Jesus, the glorious body of Jesus. You don't have that hope. And you can't have that hope unless you address your need for Jesus because it's only through Jesus and salvation in him and his work on the cross and his resurrection that can give you that hope. Right now, you're not a now-then person. (laughs) You're a now person. Um, But you can be a now-then person. You can live to please God now, and you can live with him forever with that new promised body. And it's through Jesus. It's through trusting him as your Lord and Savior. It's through surrendering your life to him, seeking his forgiveness, and setting as your goal, to in this body now 
please him. As you look forward to that new body, the then, I encourage you to make that decision. Think about it. Think about it. Talk to somebody. Become a now-then person. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that your salvation not only impacts us now, but it gives us a hope for the then. Father, thank you for creating this body we live in now. Lord, sometimes it's hard. Father, thank you for the hope that there will be another body that is so different, so much better, created by you. In the meantime, Lord, I pray that many more of us would become like Paul and say in the now, in this body, my goal, no matter what, is to please the Lord. And Father, if someone here doesn't know you, who needs that hope beyond this life, Father, just keep moving them in that direction to the point of surrender. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.